Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Our blood delivers oxygen and needed nutrients to all parts of our body, but the blood of Jesus does so much more for those who trust in Him. Today, John continues his series on the book of Revelation with his message, Letting the Blood of Christ Speak for Us. If you'll open your Bibles this morning to the book of Revelation, chapter number 12, we're going to be thinking about that blood and how by trusting in it we can have victory over everything that the devil tries to throw against us. Now it's interesting, in Revelation chapter 12 we read about a group of people who learned how to overcome the devil. And so we wonder, well, who are these people? Well, they're people who will one day be saved during the Great Tribulation. Remember now, there's coming a day when the Lord's going to come back and take all of us who are saved up to heaven to be with Him. That's the rapture of the church. After that, the seven-year period of tribulation will begin on the earth. At the beginning of that period, there will be no Christians on the earth, but as those years go by, many will be saved. Many Jews will be saved. Many Gentiles will be saved. A lot of people will be saved. And those who get saved during the tribulation are called tribulation saints. They have received Jesus during the great tribulation. And in verse number 11 of chapter 12, I want you to notice what happens to these who are saved during this time. It says, and they overcame him. Now, him there is a reference to the devil. And so these believers learned how to overcome the devil. Now, I want you to think about something for just a moment. If the rapture of the church were to take place today, and these people were to get saved during that seven-year period of tribulation, that would mean that these people are living on the earth today. They're eating in the same restaurants where we eat. They're watching the same ball games we watch. They're going to the same stores we go to. They're living on the earth today, but they're unsaved. And yet during the tribulation, they'll get saved. Now, if the rapture is going to take place 100 years from now, that would mean that these people have not been born yet. Either way, during the first three and a half years of the tribulation, they will receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And in that short of a period of time, they will learn how to overcome the devils. Now think about what I've just said. These people who learned the secret of the victorious overcoming life are either currently unsaved, or they are unborn. And so that says to me, they don't know nearly as much about God as what we should know, those of us who have been saved. And yet in that short amount of time, they learn the secret to overcoming the devil. It makes me stop and think, you know, how long have I been saved? How long have you been saved? And could we say that we have learned the secret to overcoming the devil and to living a victorious Christian life? There are some days when I, I think I, I can say, you know, I think I've learned the secret. I think I have become an overcomer and I'm living a victorious life. There are other days when I feel like, well, you know what? I thought I'd learned the secret. Now it doesn't seem to be working for me. I feel like like I am being overcome by the devil. I heard a pastor say yesterday something I thought was very interesting. He said, you know, life is really just this simple. It boils down to this. God is for you. The devil is against you. 
and you get to cast the deciding vote. You get to decide whether you're going to live an overcoming, victorious life or whether you're going to be overcome by the devil and overcome by the circumstances of life. And so in Revelation chapter 12, this one verse, verse number 11, we discover really not one secret, but three secrets to living an overcoming, victorious life. And I want us to look at it today. Secret number one is the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at this verse. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And so there's something about the blood of Jesus Christ that gives us the ability to overcome the devil. Now, we know the devil is stronger than we are. He's smarter than we are. He's more experienced than we are. He knows human tendencies, and he knows our weaknesses. He knows when to strike. And yet, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can actually overcome the devil. Now, what's so important about the blood of Jesus? What is this whole idea of blood? Well, it's interesting. When we read our Bible, if we could only choose one theme for the whole Bible, undoubtedly that theme would be blood. From Genesis to Revelation, the dominant theme of the Bible is blood. One pastor said that the blood of Jesus Christ runs like a scarlet thread through the Bible. Another pastor said if you get a pair of scissors and cut the pages of Scripture, they would literally bleed. Blood is the dominant theme of the Bible. If I counted right last week when I took my concordance out and counted up how many times the word blood appears in the Bible, it shows up 440 times in the Bible, the word blood. Of the 66 books in the Bible, 41 of those books mention blood by name. And so blood is very important. In the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies there in the temple, and he would go in confessing his sins and confessing all the sins of the people, and he would offer to God a sacrifice of blood, maybe a bull, maybe a goat, maybe a calf, but he would say, God, I'm confessing my sins, I'm confessing the people's sins, and I'm asking you, God, on the basis of this blood from this animal that has been slain, please cover our sins. And God would cover those sins. He wouldn't wash them away. He wouldn't, as we would say today, forgive them and blot them out of the book. No, but for one year, the people's sins would be covered over. And for the next 12 months, God would not punish those people or deal with those people according to those sins because the blood of that animal had covered over those sins. The next year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would do the same thing, right back into the Holy Holies, right back with that blood sacrifice, confessing his sins and the people's sins. And again, God would cover over the people's sins for another year. So in the Old Testament, through the Day of Atonement, people's sins were covered over. But we read in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12 that Jesus went into the most holy place, not with the blood of bulls and calves, but with His own blood. And he offered that blood to God the Father. And he said, Father, the people have sinned, but now they've confessed their sins. They've asked for my forgiveness. And so, God, I'm offering up my blood to you, not just as a covering, but as a cleansing, as a washing away, as a complete forgiveness for the sins of all the people. It was his own blood that Jesus shed on that cross. Now, turn back, if you would, to Genesis chapter 4. I think we're familiar with the story of, of Cain and Abel. They were Adam and Eve's first two uh, sons, and Cain and Abel one day went in or went to God to offer a sacrifice in an, as an act of worship, 
And the Bible says that God rejected Cain's sacrifice, but he accepted the sacrifice that Abel had offered. Well, that made Cain jealous of his brother, and so he decided that he would kill his brother. Cain, out of rage and anger and evil and sin, committed murder, killed his brother. And so in Genesis chapter 4 and in verse number 9, the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Verse 10, God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. In other words, God was saying, Cain, you have killed Abel. And since you've killed Abel, he can no longer speak for himself. But now in his murder, in his death, his blood speaks for him. His blood that you shed has gone down into the earth and his blood cries out to me. And so Abel can't speak for himself, but his blood speaks for him. Now with that in mind, turn if you would to Hebrews chapter 12. I want to show you a fascinating verse that refers uh, the blood of Jesus to the blood of Abel. In Hebrews chapter 12 and in verse 24, let me give you just a second to find that. We read that the blood of Jesus is a lot like Abel's blood in that it has gone down into the earth and yet it still speaks. Hebrews 12, 24, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. And so just like Abel's blood cried out to God from the ground, Christ's blood cries out to God. And Christ's blood says to God, God, I have sacrificed my life. I have shed my blood for the forgiveness of the people. And so what the lesson here is we think about the secret uh, to overcoming the devil. It is the blood of Jesus. And more specifically, it is learning to let the blood of Jesus Christ speak for us. When the devil accuses us and tells us all the sins we've done and all the mistakes we've made and all the things we've done wrong, it is for us to let the blood of Jesus Christ speak for us and let the blood of Jesus Christ uh, uh, be the thing that pleases God. If you, if you look in your outline, I've listed out three things that the blood of Jesus does. I heard Billy Graham say these three things years ago, and it's so good. First of all, the blood of Jesus satisfies God. Did you know the only thing that will satisfy God when it comes to your sins is the blood of Jesus Christ? God's not satisfied when we blame other people for our sins. He's not satisfied when we try to cover up our sins. He is satisfied by the blood of Jesus Christ. Even back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned and they ate of the forbidden fruit and and then they tried to cover themselves up with fig leaves, which is an attempt of man's way to cover up his own sin. God wasn't satisfied with that covering. So we read in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21 that God took an animal and God killed that animal. And with the skin of that animal, God made a tunic or like a long t-shirt for Adam. And he made another tunic, a long t-shirt for Eve. And God clothed them with that animal skin. What was the significance of that? God was saying, the only thing that will satisfy me when it comes to forgiving your sins is a sacrifice. It is blood. The life is in the blood. You have sinned. Now someone else has to pay for that sin and the blood has to be offered. And so first of all, the blood of Jesus satisfies God. Second thing about the blood of Jesus is that it saves sinners. 
1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. We just sang, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so it, it saves us and it does forgive our sins. And then the blood of Jesus silences Satan. And this is what these tribulation saints had learned. Keep in mind that the devil is the accuser. He's that one who whispers in your ear, remember what you did last week, or remember what you did six months ago, or remember what you did last year, or maybe remember what you did five years ago. He's pulling in all kind of things from our past to make us feel guilty and make us feel ashamed. In fact, if you look back in verse 10 of Revelation chapter 12, right in the middle of the verse, you find this description of Satan, the accuser of our brethren. That's who the devil is. He is the accuser. And as we saw last time, the devil still today has access to heaven. And he goes back and forth from earth to heaven. And he accuses us to God. And he says to God, God, look what John did. Or, or look what she did. Or look what they did. God, look at all their sins. And he's back and forth. He's always accusing us to God. But by this time in the tribulation, Satan will have been completely barred from heaven. He can no longer go to heaven to accuse us before God. And so the Christians who are living on the earth at this time, all that accusation by the devil will be doubled and tripled as he just accuses them. But nonetheless, they learn to overcome by the blood of the Lamb. In other words, what they have learned to do is to let the blood of Christ speak for them. And when the devil says, you did this wrong, and you've done that wrong, and God could never bless you, and God could never use you, and you are, you're a big hypocrite, and you're a big failure, and all these things, what do they do? They let the blood speak. And they say, I'm trusting the blood of Jesus. And they say, it's under the blood of Jesus. How many of you would say that you know what I'm talking about? You know that voice where the devil comes at you and accuses you of things you've done wrong in your past. If you've ever had that, say amen. We've all had that, right? So we've got to learn how to respond to that. Do, do we respond by saying, well, it was a long time ago, as though time forgave sin, which it doesn't. Or do we say, well, it wasn't as bad as what somebody else did. That's kind of making an alibi. Or do we say, yeah, I've done some wrong things, but look at all the good things I'm doing. I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. I'm giving my tithes. I'm, it's kind of like, that's kind of like putting fig leaves around ourselves. Or have we learned to do what these tribulation saints do and simply let the blood of Jesus Christ speak for us and say it's under the blood? Those words are a big part in having victory over the devil. It's under the blood. Say that with me. It's under the blood. Say it again. It's under the blood. All of our sins that we have confessed have been placed under the blood of Jesus Christ. And so that's the first thing that we have to have in order to experience victory in our life. We have to trust the blood to wash our sins away, the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, the second secret to overcoming the devil, not only believing that in our hearts, but is confessing that with our mouths, a faith filled confession. What did Paul say in Romans chapter 10? That if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is belief in the heart first, but it is also confession with the mouth. There's something about making the confession that seals our salvation. And there's something about a faith-filled confession that gives us victory over the devil. You see, when you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, the first person who hears that is you. Your ears hear what you believe in your heart. And then God hears that. But then the devil hears that. You know, sometimes when I'm praying at home, sometimes I'll just pray silently. 
But sometimes I'll get to a point in my prayer where I want to say it out loud because I know God can hear it silently if I don't say it out loud, but sometimes I pray something and I want the devil to hear it. I want the devil to hear what I'm saying to God because that's one way that we can overcome the devil. And so that faith-filled confession, what is the confession that we say with our mouth? What do we, we say? I'm trusting Jesus. Say that with me. I'm trusting Jesus. Say it again. Whatever the devil throws at us, we have to somehow have a response to that. And the response is, I'm trusting Jesus. And so if the devil throws accusation and guilt and condemnation at us, we say, I'm trusting the blood of Jesus to forgive those sins. Those sins are under the blood. I'm trusting Jesus. But it's not just guilt and condemnation that the devil throws at us. It's fear of an unmet need or it's fear of the future. The the devil throws a lot of things at us and the response to that is still the same. I'm trusting Jesus. You see, the blood of Jesus Christ is not just sufficient to wash our sins away. The blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to build a hedge around us that the devil cannot get through. There's protection in the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you remember in Exodus chapter 12 when God was pouring out those plagues on the Egyptians because of how they had mistreated the Jewish people. And they came to plague 10, and God had decided to kill all the firstborn uh, living there in Egypt. And so God said to Moses, God said, Moses, here's what I'm going to do tonight at midnight. I'm going to pass over. The death angel is going to pass over the land of Egypt, and he's going to kill all the firstborn Egyptian children. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell all the Jewish people, if they want to be protected from this judgment, that what they need to do is to take a lamb, and they need to sacrifice that lamb. And God was very specific that the lamb had to have no spots and no blemishes. It had to be a perfect lamb. And then God said, Moses, after they have sacrificed, sacrifice the lamb and even eaten the lamb, what I want them to do is to take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorpost and the horizontal beam at the top. And at midnight, when the death angel comes to Egypt, if he sees the blood over the door of a house, that death angel will pass over that house. The the oldest child in that house will be spared. His life will not be taken. And that's why it's called the Passover. And so Moses told the people to do that. The people did that, and when the death angel came to carry out that judgment, when he, think about this, when the death angel saw the blood, he passed over, and he brought no harm on that house. And that says to me that in the blood of Jesus Christ, remember what we read in Corinthians, Christ is our Passover lamb. That Old Testament offering was a picture of Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice of God. And when the blood of Jesus Christ covers the door of our heart. Not only are we forgiven, not only are we cleansed, but we are protected. There is a hedge that the devil can't get beyond and that the devil can't get through. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to have problems and difficulties. We certainly know that we do. But it does mean this. As a child of God, when we're under the blood, the only thing that can get to us is something that comes through the blood. And so if God allows something to come through the blood, it's like it's been filtered. It's like the blood has filtered it, and now it has a redemptive purpose, and God will use it only for good and not for evil. And so with the blood of Jesus Christ, we are protected from the attacks of the devil. Not that we don't feel his attacks, and not that sometimes we're not defeated by his attacks, but we have 
power. We have authority. We can have victory over his attacks if in the midst of the attack, if we will keep our faith in the person and the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm trusting Jesus. That's what uh, the faith-filled confession is. It's interesting. In your body and in mine, uh, the medical community tells us that every 23 seconds, blood circulates throughout our body. Every 23 seconds, blood circulates. In the time that you've been sitting here today, you've been in this service for 45 minutes. So you do the math. Uh, The blood has circulated through your body well over 100 times. Say, what's that blood doing? It's delivering oxygen to your brain and to everywhere in your body. You, You need oxygen. It's delivering the nutrients that your cells need. And not only that, but the blood is eliminating and removing waste. And so the blood, if you think about it, in the human body does two things. It cleanses and it energizes. It cleanses and it energizes. If that blood started, stopped circulating, you would die. You have to have that fresh blood, that fresh blow, flow of blood. So the blood energizes, it cleanses and it energizes. Well, it's the same with the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood cleanses us from our sin. But not only that, in the heat of the battle, when things are very difficult, His blood, when we trust His blood, when we make that faith-filled confession, I am trusting Jesus. I am trusting the blood of Jesus Christ. What does that confession do? What does that blood do? It energizes us. It's like a spiritual chin-up, and it helps us to overcome the devil, and it helps us to know when he's trying to take us down that if we'll trust Jesus, he'll keep our head above water, and we will indeed be all right. Now, you still listening? Say amen. What is the secret to overcoming the devil? It is first the blood of Jesus, trusting that blood in your heart. It is secondly a faith-filled confession openly and publicly. Remember, when they put that blood on the doorpost there in those houses in Egypt, that blood wasn't put in the kitchen. It wasn't put over the door of the bathroom or the bedroom or some back closet. That blood was put on the front of the door so that everybody could see it. And that's why we give an invitation here at the church. So we give people a chance to publicly confess and to declare, I am trusting the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, think about this. When your faith, I mean in your heart, is in Jesus Christ, I'm trusting you, Jesus. Here's what I'm going through. But I'm trusting your blood with this illness, with this financial setback, with this anxiety, with this depression. I choose to trust you. Lord, I know I don't feel victorious right now. My circumstances don't seem to indicate that I am victorious right now. But I believe what the word says, that the power of the blood of Jesus is greater than the power of the enemy. And so I'll trust that blood. I'll trust you. And I'll keep trusting you, knowing that... Nothing can get to me without first coming through that blood, and the blood will filter it, so it will only ultimately be used for my good and your glory, that you will ultimately stamp Romans 8, 28 right across everything I go through in my life because the blood is just that powerful. Now, when a person has that kind of faith in their heart and makes that kind of confession with their mouth, in other words, now you're speaking faith. You're not speaking doubt. You're not speaking confusion. You're not speaking worry. You're not speaking lack. You're not speaking that out. No, because what does it say in the Scripture? As a man thinks, so is he. And it says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so our words matter. What we want to do is to line our words up with the Word of God. It is what God says that is important, and that's what we need to say. So when we believe in our heart we're trusting Jesus, we confess with our mouth, I'm trusting Jesus, 
His blood is sufficient for this. There's a hedge around me. The devil can't get to me without coming through the blood. Here's the third secret, and it's really the result of the first two, and that is we will have no fear of death. No fear of death. These tribulation saints had no fear whatsoever of death. In verse 11, they overcame him. Here's the threefold secret. By the blood of the Lamb, they're trusting that blood. By the word of their testimony, they're making that confession. And then it says, and they did not love their lives to the death. In other words, what were they saying? They were saying that for us, trusting in Jesus, expressing our faith in his blood, that is more important to us than living. And if it costs us our lives, what were they saying? They were saying we would rather die trusting Jesus than live denying Jesus. And so they continued to make the good confession of their faith in Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message, Letting the Blood of Christ Speak for Us, has been a blessing to you. You can find this message and many others on our website, www.peacebybelieving.org, under the broadcast tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.